The views and opinions expressed by our guest in this episode do not necessarily reflect the position of Bridge Ministries. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hey, this is Julio. Hey, this is Steve. Before the podcast starts, we want to welcome and give you the opportunity to support our ministry by visiting our website at www.bridgeminlaredo.org. Scroll down to the bottom of any page and you'll find the PayPal donate button. Bridge Ministries exists to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and to equip people to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you would like to help us in our mission of making affordable or free Bibles and Christian books available and also to check out the orphanage that we support, visit our website. This is the Bridge Ministry Podcast, Coffee Colloquy, and we're back here for another one. I am extremely excited. We have a, a special guest on, but uh, before we introduce him, um, you know, my name is Julio Rodriguez. I am your host, and in front of me, I have one of my good brothers in Christ, uh, Christian Hernandez. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So, h- how's today been going, man? It's been going pretty good, man. I just uh, got out of work, so I'm glad to be here and, uh, you know, make time especially for this one. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, we are a Christian bookstore and coffee shop. Again, we're Bridge Ministry. Uh, we're located here. If you are driving in or you live in the community, you could stop by 6019 McPherson Road, Suite 8. We live in Laredo, Texas, uh, 78041. That's our area code, just in case you want to look exactly where we're at. But you could you could swing by. Um, we're open Mondays through Friday, 8 a.m. through 6 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 a.m. through 4 p.m. And you could find everything here from uh, philosophy, biology, soteriology, uh, reforms, respective theology, Calvinism, Arminianism. We're, we're sort of open to any theological discussion or topic. But uh, most importantly, uh, we want to preach the gospel, get you guys to know Jesus Christ and uh, that he is... Uh, He's the, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. So, um, But other than that, let's go ahead and, and, and introduce our guest today. I, I'm super, super excited. Um, again, this is kind of uh, uh, going more into our apologetic tour. We had Jay Warner Wallace on um, a couple of weeks back. That was awesome, right? Yeah, that was great. We also had JP Holding on. Yeah, we had JP Holding on, and that was cool. And we're still trying to get Matt Slick, but that guy does not answer an email. <laughs> he does not answer an email, and I've... I've I, I messaged him on Facebook, and he's like, oh, what was your email address again? And so uh, we've had Eric, Eric Hernandez as well, um, Eli Elias, and, um, and I'm pretty much that, that, that's about it, right? Yeah, that's about what we had so far. So far. So now we bring on uh, another gentleman. Uh, he has a YouTube channel that has blown up, um, and I've just come to enjoy it so much. Um, he creates videos, and I just got tons of questions to, to ask uh, uh, of him. But um, it's uh, inspiring philosophy. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, Facebook page. You can find him on Patreon, and he's all about audiovisual apologetics. So um, I just want to introduce none other than uh, uh, inspiring philosophy or Michael Jones. <laughs> so yeah. how's it going, man? Yeah. Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. I, I have no idea how my channel exploded. It just, it just did. I never planned for this and i don't so i don't i don't know why it is yeah it's it's, it's had a success i mean i was i was on your website the uh you know a couple hours ago and i was i was watching out how like the first year you just kind of set a goal of what 100 100 followers and then went to 700 and then now i just i previously looked and it was like forty thousand. yeah forty three thousand around there yeah 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 i i my, my original goal was to do like 13 videos just common arguments i've used in debates online just so i didn't have to constantly keep repeating myself so i thought i would upload a video and then i yeah. could use it in a debate and then the video just kind of got a little more popular and i decided well i'll make a couple more and then i just kept making more yeah 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 so yeah yeah they're, they're excellent so why why the uh, the title in- inspiring philosophy like what why um why that name i guess <laughs> Uh, it kind of came from a couple of just things I was thinking around. Mm-hmm. First of all, it worked, and when you're typing a YouTube name in, it, it came, oh, good, no one's used this yet. I guess I could take that, because sometimes you, you start typing a name in, and like, oh, this one's taken, oh, this one's taken, oh, yeah. this one's taken. Yeah. So that was one reason. Uh, the one reason is because I was so sick and tired of all of the 
philosophical arguments from atheist channels on YouTube mm-hmm. and how bad they were. So I wanted to do a philosophy channel, but I wanted it to be something that was more inspiring. Yeah. So I just went with that. It just was, just kind of had a nice ring to it, so I went with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 excellent, man. I, I really like like the name. And one thing that I wanted to ask: Are are you a are you like a one man show in creating these videos? Because man, they're I mean they're like really well done, and the music is so epic too. Yeah, they're very high quality. <laughs> so like, what like I guess tell us, man. Like, how, how do you make these videos? Are is, is it a team or is it just you? Um, for the most part, it is just me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have people review my videos. Like when I did my series, my, my quantum mechanic videos, mm-hmm. I contacted a couple physicists like Fred Kuttner, Bruce Rosenblum, Bruce Rosenblum before he passed away to review them. Nice. Uh, right now I have Andrew Fisher reviewing my series on uh, metaethics. Okay. Um, he's a philosopher over in um, England. But other than that, the production, the writing, the research, I pretty much do by myself. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I, I I did not know that. So I I really appreciate that. I mean, just everything in the in, in your videos are like super scholarly, right? They're backed up yeah. by 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 science, by facts, and then that's even cool to know too that you're actually going to scholars to to review your material. That's, yeah, and all the sources are cited like on every channel, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I try to do that because I I think that's it's important. that's very important. Yeah, and I, sometimes I, they'll catch pretty major errors, and I'm like, oh, geez, I don't want to put that out. Like, okay, yeah. It, so, you know, I mean, I, it's good to get stuff peer-reviewed because, I mean, in, in this, in the most common sense, because you're you're not going to be perfect. <laughs> you know, you should always have another pair of eyes on it. Right. Yeah, no, no, that that's great, man. I'm glad. And I wanted to ask this, too, just because, I mean, now, now apologetics, you could see where the debates are being taken place. The majority of them are taken on the internet, on YouTube. Um, you know, you have Max Colbe, which I know you've, you've talked to uh, from Escaping Atheism. Like, his channel got monetized, and so he's working off his own. Have you had any of uh, any of that with your channel? It being just Monetizing my channel? Like yeah, just shut down. Or demonetized? Yeah, yeah, there you go. No, my channel's not been shut down. The, the worst thing that happened was um, the um, I had a couple of videos where I did. I had a... Uh, the sermons of Tim Keller, and I put put video to them, and then okay. the church found out about them. They didn't they didn't really like me. They didn't want me to do anymore, but they said I could keep them up. And then later, they somebody else somehow the management shifted around, and then I got like a copyright strike on my my thing, and I mm. contact them, and they said, all right, well we'll remove the copyright strike, but take the videos down. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's fine. It's ridiculous, but sure, I'll take them down. Yeah. So, but that was about it. But no, my channel has not been pulled or anything. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, well, yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask the question. I mean, there, there's um, Apologetics uh, 315. That's a website. You got Carm uh, with Matt Slick, Tectonic with uh, JP. Uh, JP Holding. JP Holding. I'll say JP Moreland. Uh, BioLogos and stuff. Like, what, what makes your channel different from all the rest of the sort of apologetic um, sources and sites to, that, that, you would, that usually Christians, Christians would recommend? Uh, well, one thing we are trying to cover everything. Uh, we want to have an apologetic answer out there for everything. J.P. Holding kind of sticks to just defending the Bible, defending mm-hmm. uh, going through New Testament or Old Testament uh, criticism in regards to that. Uh, some other channels just tend to focus on the arguments for God's existence or mm-hmm. things like that. We're trying to cover everything. And yeah. one thing you will get on my channel, you're not going to get on a lot of other places, is newer arguments for God's existence from quantum mechanics, which mm-hmm. not a lot of people are focusing on, which okay. I and which I think is kind of unfortunate because there are some pretty powerful arguments, and I've I've had direct comments on my channel saying, you know, I, I've not been convinced by the traditional arguments for theism, but this turned me into a deist, or this turned me into a theist, just from those arguments from quantum mechanics. So right. I think that's one thing I focus on that you're not going to get a lot of other people, um, and I'm not done in that area. I still want to do some more, and I'm going to just kind of keep going in that direction because most Christian apologists now would can would kind of stay away from that and i think that's kind of unfortunate because i think there's a lot of powerful evidence in that oh yeah 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 definitely yeah and i i I, you know and i just want to say this to our listeners and the people in our community is uh like go i would you know go support um um, inspiring philosophy especially at his at his his website he has a patreon account and i really like the video that you that you did talking about how you want to create a whole library 
of videos for the for the arguments of God uh, for the arguments for the existence of God and defending Christianity. And he was kind of talking about how a lot of people don't want to sit down and read like a lengthy article and book. We live in like in a microwave generation where everything's like really quick. Yeah. And so I think videos are very effective, and especially the way you do them, like they're they're great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so um, the next question I, I really wanted to ask is like how how um, how did you come to the faith? Um, like, what was your journey? I, I was listening to uh, you and your conversations with with Max Colbe, and you were talking about how you were an atheist or an agnostic, I believe, at first. I, I, I could never consider myself an atheist. It yeah, just never made sense yeah. to me. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, for a while, I was kind of agnostic. I was more of like a closet agnostic because if I would have came out and said, I don't believe in God, I would have just been bombarded by people who wanted to talk to me at the church that I was raised in, family members. And I was an introvert, so that's the last thing I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I also didn't want my cousin to know because he would have because he was going through that college phase, and I, he, if he would have found out that he kind of played a role in that, I felt like he would have been kind of like cocky about it. And you know, when you're a, in high school, you don't want to like give your friends or you know family members that kind of leg up on you. So yeah. I was keeping a little secret. Um, eventually, though, I mean, I also was kind of mad at Christians. The church I went to, I, I got mm-hmm. beat up beat up there because I'm a scrawny little boy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I got body slammed one time. I left the church with a concussion one time, oh so I went to the hospital. Yeah, you know, it was fun stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. eventually somebody challenged me to just sit down and read C.S. Lewis because I was, I was trying to research the stuff online, and I kept coming across Christ smithers mm-hmm. who don't have a clue what they're talking about and i even yeah. knew that yeah. <laughs> yeah when i'm in that phase and so yeah. someone said you know you're not getting a lot of good re- you know luck reading the arguments against uh, christianity why don't you just try to read some for and then try to research it from that angle so i agreed yeah. to it. and then i kind of went through you know back and forth from for a while like, i did not have like a, a moment where i felt like this over emotional feeling it was never really that for me it was just kind of like a logical back and forth Mm -hmm. where eventually i just realized i had to surrender my pride and just go with what uh, the evidence was pointing to and so i eventually became a christian on that and i i don't know if there was ever some kind of like call to alter moment it was more just kind of like i feel like this or uh, i feel the evidence is pulling me in this direction if this is true this has radical implications and i need to accept them so that was kind of how it happened for me right Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, just to reiterate what you said, yeah, I could never consider myself an atheist. I think for for a while I was like you, man. Like it was. Uh, like I was skeptical, but I wouldn't say like can, can, can't convince myself that there's just no God. You know. Yeah, I couldn't get myself to to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest reason for me was just the implications of it regarding with like ethics and purpose and just. Like, it's like that quote from C.S. Lewis, if the universe has no meaning, we should never have found out it has no meaning. It should just be completely meaningless to talk about. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons which ever kept me from being a total atheist or even going down that direction. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you you brought up something, the the word evidence. So, like, evidence convinced you. Because I know in today's society, I mean, atheism, militant atheism has totally hijacked the word atheism and skeptic like skepticism and reason and logic and stuff to the point where i mean they they sort of they 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 own that now right i mean and, and then mm-hmm. and until the christian is left um therefore without any of that stuff so i mean what what would you have to say sort of about this militant atheism that is going on that's sort of um bullying the the christians i guess <laughs> well i mean it just is a, it's a propaganda campaign yeah. i mean it's unfortunate but they're hijacking the word rational or reason mm-hmm. or we are the real critical thinkers and everyone who doesn't agree with us is just, you know, believes the writings of goat herders. You, know, it's, you hear things like this and it's mm-hmm. it's not there are very unfortunate. I, I say this was an unfortunate tone. There's very few atheists online that I have a lot of respect for because you see just the the amount of just arrogance and insults mm-hmm. coming from them. I mean, it's not so much like, OK, I disagree with you to have a conversation. It's you're stupid because you believe in magic sky daddies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? it's like, 
<laughs> it's like, and I remember this quote from Max Tegmark, who's a physicist, who's not yeah. a theist, and he says it's very important for us physicists not to dismiss ideas just because they're weird. Yeah. Because if we did, we would have dismissed all sorts of marvelous things like black holes and atoms. Yeah. And so what you kind of get from the atheist community nowadays, not all of them. I mean, there's some there's some intellectual ones that I have respect for. Yeah. But what we kind of get from a lot of them is that. Oh, this is stupid. There's no reason there'd be a god or someone who who would rise from the dead or be born of mm-hmm. her. This is all ridiculous. It's it, there are, it's weird to them. Therefore, it must be false. Yeah, and that's yeah. not how it works. Yeah, I especially see that on YouTube. Just all the atheist channels on YouTube, they're exactly like, in my experience, like how you described, is very immature. They're, you know, insulting. Like I, it's I kind of had that similar experience, especially online or even like you know atheist users on the internet like they're just yeah they're very hateful they you know they <laughs> they're just not charitable at all they, they come in numbers <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and and so you you just talk uh talking about atheists atheists that you know that you re, that you respect i mean i i have some friends who are atheists and, and we have like civil conversations and they kind of see where i'm coming from and obviously i, I see where, where they're coming from i who, who would you consider i guess uh, as respectful uh, atheists that, that you've sort of like come into contact with um, well, I debated a really a, I think he's ever a lot of respect for. His name is Corey. Mm-hmm. We debated on the resurrection earlier this year. Okay. Um, so um, he's on. He does the Hinge podcast. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, I think he's he's a great guy. You know. So I mean, I've talked to him. I mean, we're friends on Facebook now. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's one. Do you mean more like professional atheist? Oh, or it's anything it's like that? whatever, man. Yeah, I guess just atheist. That- whatever from both sides i guess people that you've debated and had contact with um, are also just scholars as well I, I like reading nicholas everett he's a philosopher mm-hmm. uh thomas nagel i have uh, some respect for as well mm-hmm. um even, even jl Mackey. i was reading him recently because i was planning on doing a video on er- his uh moral view of error theory eventually and I, I think i think he's he's got some pretty good arguments in fact i'm probably gonna end up using one of his arguments to argue against ethical naturalism Okay. Uh, that's the view that you know there's moral values but they're reduced to natural property so i mean there i you know there's there's a there's a lot out there i'm not saying that it's it's just this militant new atheist right yeah richard right. dawkins mentality yeah yeah the four the four horsemen so to speak um i and, and i know i i wanted to i really really get your opinion on this but i i almost see the four horsemen to me have kind of kind of like faded in the back and there's kind of like two main ones up in the front which is Matt Dillahunty and Aaron Raw. Like, what do you? Th- what is your opinion on them? Oh man! Oh. Because a lot Go, of you... a lot of a lot of atheists who I've come in contact with, it's no longer Dawkins or Hitchens or Harris or anything. It's these two guys that are now kind of representing the the their okay. squad. Yeah. Uh, everyone, go on YouTube. Go to the youtubecom Rods. He called in to the atheist experience to debate Matt Dillahunty, mm-hmm. and Matt Dillahunty basically. In so many words, in one of the Collins admitted that Johanan was right, uh, threw him off the phone and said, I don't care if a God exists. I just want to know how, if this is a simulation, how do I get out of it? So he completely changed the argument from does God exist to is it practical in my life? Yeah. And so this is, and you, if you watch a couple of the, the back and forth with Johan and, and the experience, when they realize they can't refuse arguments, they just change their argument to, okay, well, how is this practical in my everyday life? If this being exists, why does it matter for me? Like, so yeah. it's like, you're, you're, you know, this is a sleight of the hand they're pulling there. So there's that. And then Aaron Raw, I thought was really funny. I might be on um, <laughs> talking to one of the hosts of the Real Atheology soon on okay. the moral argument. And he said to me in an off comment because I was. Um, this, this is Aaron you know, Raw you're talking about. Aaron Raw, yeah. Okay. And he just kind of said to me in an off comment. He's like, look, he, I think I was, I uh, made a Facebook post about how I wanted to debate Ken Hoven. And then he got in there and he said, look, you know there are there are crazies on all sides. I got to distance myself from the crazies on my side, like Aaron Raw. And I was like, yes, I like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, the, yeah. The guy doesn't think Jesus ever exists. It's like, oh my, how do you not? Have you never read the scholarship on this? Like, it's ridiculous. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's the one thing. And the thing is, I was almost bought in by Zeitgeist, man. When I, I had a, I had a friend of mine at work, and he's like, hey man, he knew I was a Christian, so he's like, hey man, like you need to watch this. You know, yeah. it's it, it it's gonna change your whole religion and this and that. And I watched it, and it kind of put a rock in my shoe for a little bit. 
but it doesn't take that much effort, you know, yeah. just to go and be like, bro, he lived. <laughs> I know. And now people like they appeal to like Richard Carrier or Robert Price. But even then, I mean, yeah, they have credentials. But you see their exegesis of scripture. It's awful. Just horrific. You know? uh, oh, I know. Yeah. It's it just it's it's just like, yeah, I just I just really wanted to get your 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 um, your perspective on, on Matt Dillahunty. And, 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 you know, because I, I and this is the one thing that I always that we always say on this podcast when it comes to the, the opposing worldview, which is atheism and, and also too, and, you know, it's not atheism, but uh, Islam and, and, you know, just we it's not strictly atheism, but don't be afraid to go listen to their arguments. And the one thing that I've that I've uh, when I go listen to the atheist experience on, on YouTube, they always pick out that dumb Christian. Yeah, I know. Like, he calls uh, in <laughs> and they just bully him and rip on him. And I'm just like. I, well, I don't agree with that guy either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, I don't, like that guy totally is misrepresenting. And and I've listened to Matt Dillahunty, and I love the guy. You know, I, I wish he would come to faith and and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I just find some some of his argumentation to be you know not not, yeah. that, not that good. And I have a question uh, for you, Mike. Would you ever be interested like in doing I guess a public debate like that, or are you interested in kind of debating? Or for you, it's just pure media that oh. you like to. No, absolutely. I'm perfectly fine doing public debates. Um, I, I think they're healthy. I think they're they're great. And I, I've done a couple in the past. I yeah. I was doing a bunch on Christian Anarchist page. I think a year ago, just mm-hmm. debating. Oh, yeah. I debated Nephilim Free at one point. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess so, who, who who would you like to debate in the future? Um, Kent Hovind. Kent Hovind. Uh, <laughs> oh man, you I, know. I, yeah. Go 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 ahead. I'm so sick of this guy being the the, the people that atheists first think of when they think of Christians is, oh, Ken Hovind, or, oh, yeah. or Ray mm-hmm. Comfort, or someone like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. can we just acknowledge there are much more rational alternatives than these guys? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I just want to, I, I, I have a, um, I've been researching a lot regarding the Imago Dei okay. and how the ancient Near East understood it and how it's understood in, in the biblical context. Mm-hmm. And I want to challenge them on that because that's one of their primary arguments for arguing that, you know, the earth has to be young and there's no possible way evolution could ever be reconciled with Christianity is because we were made in the image of God. Yeah. So I want to ca- try to challenge them on that argument. Yeah. So I actually, I never, I not heard back from uh, Ken Hovind regarding the debate. I had someone who was going to try to set it up for me. So I emailed Ray Comfort to see if maybe he would. So hopefully I'll get something out of that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, so I, you know what, I, I guess since we're on the topic, we could definitely just jump into the whole, you know, uh, I guess creationism evolution sort of what christianity like how do we reconcile that with ken hoven because i'll I'll be honest and i think i think with your with your um with you talking to max colby and and y'all's y'all's discussions you you mentioned that um well at least for me ken hoven was the first apologist that i ever encountered and when i saw him like take on three atheists i was like whoa like yeah this guy's owning and some of his arguments were like pretty good uh, you know to me and i was like wow this is cool and you know there's a there's a there's a reasonable defense, so to speak, and you kind of had this a similar experience, right, with Kent Hovind. I, I think when you first yeah, yeah. encountered him. When I first decided I was definitely a Christian, I was living in Delaware, and someone invited me over. And he was like, "You got to watch this debate between Kent Hovind and Michael Shermer," mm-hmm. and so I did. And I was like, "Wow, he's got some good arguments. He he's really confident. He comes across like very charismatic. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's onto something." And then I was like, "I'm going to start debating using his arguments." And then my cousin hit, metaphorically hit me over the head with a science book, and I was like, "Okay, maybe I should rethink a lot of this. I don't know what I'm talking about." <laughs> right. And, so, I mean, I, I kind of started the research. I ended up in Hugh Ross's camp for a little bit. Okay. Still kind of, like, unsure if that was really the case. And then finally when I started getting into more biblical scholarship, reading early church fathers, reading Philo of Alexandria, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to understand the ancient context. Now I'm starting to get somewhere. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, again, this is for the listeners. I Like, me and Michael Jones wouldn't agree on everything. I think me and Christian probably wouldn't agree on everything. But I think because— you know, I'll explain my position. Like, um, to be honest, traditionally I hold to uh, the younger uh, creationist view, but you know, I'm not gonna go on the rails and say that anyone who doesn't believe in younger creationism like is not saved yeah, or like, anything like, like that. Yeah, like Ken Hovind would say. Yeah, that's to me. Well, I don't just... think they say you're not saved. I think they say you're saying Jesus is a liar. That's right. something Ray Comfort has directly said of you. Okay. Are mm-hmm. not a young Earth creationist. You're saying Jesus is a liar, and right. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely would like to, like for you to sort of, I guess what, just I guess if you could talk about the Mago Dehi and and honestly, I think I had messaged you like in the past, you know what what um, 
I guess this I really don't know what sort of position you hold in in evolution and how you kind of reconcile the the genesis count and et cetera. you know so i can if, explain if, it pretty quickly if yeah, you want me well, to you, you could we, we got time so i mean you could kind of yeah. kind of go off on it man I'm, it's yeah. well, okay, I'm a full i tend to be a full theistic evolutionist now i don't okay. really care if evolution is true i don't defend it particularly i my my main goal is just to show that regardless of what science says the bible is compatible with it mm-hmm. and so one of the main ways is that this is done through arguing via the imago day and people immediately say well we can't come from uh primates because we are made in the image of god and god is not a monkey okay well what does it mean to be the image of god and people automatically assume they know what it means without ever actually thinking of it and not a lot of people have unfortunately mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask the question, what does it actually mean? It obviously doesn't mean we physically look like God, right. because God is not a physical being. He's the creator of matter. He's not immaterial. He's not immaterial. So a lot of Christians take the substantive view, which is that our spirits are made in the image of God. You know, to be the image of God means to be a rational being, mm-hmm. to understand right and wrong. And that's typically what most Christians think of when they think of the Imago Dei. Well, then... They also agree, though, with me that only humans are the image of God. There is no other creature. So cats are not, dogs are not, only humans are. But then I just logically ask, okay, so is Satan the image of God? Because Satan is a rational being. He understands right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And if to be the image of God means to be rational, understand right and wrong, then Satan must be the image of God. And, of course, we would reject that because the Bible only says man was made in the image of God. Angels Mm -hmm. are not. So... The overwhelming majority of Old Testament scholars will tell you the Imago Dei is not a point of creation. It's a point of election or when we were given a divine function. In other words, it would mean the same thing it means in the New Testament when Paul says we are called to conform to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. So God at a, at a point elected Adam to be the to be the first priest over creation, to be stewards over creation, enter into a relationship with him, to be his representative on earth. Mm-hmm. And this is what God does constantly in Scripture. When God wanted to start a family to bless the world, he didn't make one out of nothing. He called Abraham. He elected Abraham. Mm-hmm. When he wanted to make create a nation to represent himself to the other nations, he called Israel to do this. Mm-hmm. Same thing he does with Christians. So the Imago Dei is just sort of the beginning of that. God first elects humans to be his image bearers on earth. And to be, of course, we fail in that, and there was an exile period. You know, that's the same thing that happened with the Jews. Right. They were called to be his, you know, his representatives, and they failed as they exiled. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, if the Imago Dei just means an election calling or given a divine function, there obviously had to be a creature already there in existence. Mm -hmm. And so, if you then look at it a little bit more, the only other thing that happens before this is the creation of land animals. Now, I don't, I kind of agree with John Walton. This isn't necessarily talking about a material creation, but let's, for the sake of argument, let's just say it is. Okay, the actual word there is asa for made and or for create and that's a process creation the bible uses that same word to talk about how babies are created in the womb god asa made you in your in the womb it's in the, it's in the book of isaiah mm-hmm. so and it also says let the earth bring forth the land animals it doesn't so that's how god is creating the land animals. so through processes the earth brought forth the land animals and then ecclesiastes 3 18 to 20 says you know i pray that man shall realize he is a beast of the field for both have the same breath of life and the word for breath of life is nefesh, which is the okay. Hebrew word for soul. So ontologically, we're the same as animals, according to the Bible. And this is said in multiple places because the same word for spirit is used for man and animals. The same word for flesh is used for man and animals. Same word for soul, the breath of life. It's all used for man and animals. There's never really an ontological distinction made. Mm-hmm. The only distinction that is ever made is the Imago Dei. So it would just naturally follow that if the Imago Dei is just a special calling, there, then it's compatible with regardless of what the material creation of the world and humans is. It's, it's, it's compatible with whatever science would come up with because it's not talking about our material creation. It's talking about when we are elected by God to be his image bearers on earth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I, you know, I've never really heard that perspective. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I guess that, that you, your position fully. So yeah, and, yeah. and I guess like when you when you when you go ahead and speak, because I believe you're you're probably gonna end up speaking to Kent Hoven or Ray Comfort, uh, when they say, um, you know, then you make Jesus a liar. Like, how would you respond to that in in, well, in your in your framework? They're they're talking, of course, about Matthew 19, where Jesus says, "Do you not know that in the beginning He made the male and female?" Mm-hmm. I, my my first response is, "What's the context? Does you know does does the word beginning in the Bible always refer?" 
to the beginning of creation. Well, no, that'd be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If you and I were talking, and let's say I was still in college, and I said, this school year has been hard, man. I, I, in the beginning, I didn't think it'd be this hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, am I talking about the beginning of creation, or am I talking about the context we're in, the mm-hmm. beginning of the school year? Yeah. Okay, well, what's the context of Matthew 19? It's marriage. Do you not know that in the beginning, God made them male and female? Mm-hmm. Jesus, they say, what about marriage? And he says, well, in the beginning of marriage, he's talking about the context. He doesn't have to add the words of marriage in there. It's in the context already. He's talking about when marriage was first designed or given to man, given to man and woman. So I think, yeah, that they're taking it out of context in that regard. Jesus is talking about when God made them male and female. And if you, there's a great quote in the dictionary of the Old Testament about this regards to the word bara mm-hmm. and what Jesus is actually quoting, but I can say that for another time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you could go, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, if, like, if you want, yeah. Well, I mean, the dictionary of the Old Testament uh, regarding the word bara mm-hmm. says the Hebrew verb bara is not necessarily physical manufacturing as much as assigning roles. This direction is picked up nicely in Genesis 5 2, where God creates people male and female. That is, with established roles. In all of these cases, something is brought into existence functionally, not materially. Where would the statement concern the issue of matter? And the, indeed, the text never uses bara in context in which materials are mentioned. Instead of suggesting manufacturing of matter out of nothing, as many have inferred in the past, this suggests manufacture is not the issue. The lexical analysis suggests instead that the essence of the word that the text has chosen, bara, concerns bringing heaven and earth into existence by focusing on operation through organization and assigning roles and functions. And that's Dictionary of the Old Testament, pages 161 to 162. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus in Matthew 19 is quoting when the Old Testament says he made the male and female, he's talking about the Old Testament context when God assigned the functions of male and female in the context of marriage. Right. Cool. Yeah, it's an interesting answer, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, a lot of this doesn't trickle down to the layman level, which is unfortunate. But mm-hmm. in the scholarship world, if you read from James Barr to John Walton to Joshua Moritz, it's pretty standard. I come across it all the time. Right. Yeah. And uh, like, I guess I also I hear like you know one of the biggest objections objections against uh, theistic evolution is that would you say that um, I know. You'll probably say that, you know, Genesis 1 and 2 is uh, meant to be poetic or metaphorical. But would you also say the same thing about Genesis chapter 3 regarding Adam and Eve and the fall? Like, would you say that's also metaphorical too? Or do you believe that Adam and Eve were, you know, actual, uh, you know, living people? Or is it. Oh, of course. Okay. Of course. I mean, my theistic evolution view is that Adam was not the first hominid or human, (laughs) I guess. He's the first priest of creation. He represents creation to. God, he represents all of creation, all of human humankind, the same way Jesus does for us now. This is why Paul is always comparing Adam to Jesus. Adam is the priest that fails. Jesus is the priest who succeeded. Yeah. Jesus is our representative before the Father. It makes far more sense with Paul's context if you understand Adam was the first priest for creation, and he failed, and creation thus was separated from God as well. Mm-hmm. So, And then we're redeemed by the priest Jesus who succeeded in this. So I think that even fits better with the context. So being a theistic evolution and taking the view I do, I can fully accept that Adam and Eve were literal humans. Yeah. There's no there's no reason to reject that, especially in Paul. He's pretty clear Adam and Eve existed. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask, is there any part of evolution that you do reject, like neo-Darwinism, for example? Yes, I reject neo-Darwinism. Yeah, yeah because yeah. <laughs> if you could explain to our audience why, because I have, um, I mean, on Facebook, I, I, I've said, like, neo-Darwinianism is, is failing. Like, it's on its last limbs, it's on its ropes, and I think we oh, could we could, we could talk much. about that. It, and it, it is. Like, yeah. it completely is. Um, you know, I mean, I've well, listened to both creationists and theistic evolutions, and I mean, and, and even theistic evolutionists, um, and also uh, people of the atheist camp are starting to realize, hey, this ain't working. <laughs> well, it's not so much that it's failing, it's that it's going to change. Right. I mean, there's no, there is no such thing as a theory of evolution. There are theories, plural, yeah. theories of evolution. So there's Darwinian natural selection, Lamarckian evolution, neo-Darwinianism, neo-Darwinianism evo-devo, um, mm. evolution through symbiogenesis and process structuralism, and of course a whole array of other ones. I tend to be more of a process structuralist. Okay. But the reason why neo-Darwinianism is going away is it just kind of says that evolution happens through uh, change in gene frequency. So two parents come together, 
and their genes get uh, mixed up or they pass on to their offspring in different frequencies. And the ones that are better fit for their niches will be passed on. Mm-hmm. But what we're finding out more is that there's just so much more evidence that, you know, works for evolution. For example, um, niche construction mm-hmm. would argue that the fact that organisms don't just naturally adapt to environments, they also mold their environments. So think of the beaver. The beaver builds a dam. It doesn't just have to stick in the environment that it is, and it can build its own shelter. You know, and the other thing is, of course, epigenetics. Epigenetics, of course, is yeah, modifying our view of evolution. And you know, I'm more of a process structuralist, and and so neo-Darwinism has a hard time explaining, you know, evidence of convergence. And so I plan to do a video on this in November where I'm going to talk about this. But awesome. we see a lot of understanding of evolution that, you know, it kind of has some sort of design, or not so much time, but some sort of something guiding it in some sense. And so. I think neo-Darwinism is just an incomplete theory. It doesn't explain enough. It doesn't go far enough, and it just relies on random chance. Yeah. And that's just that doesn't seem to be what the evidence is going for, especially if you read someone like Simon Conway Morris. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That's that's a good. Yeah. Because I've I've heard from uh, Stephen F. Meyer, who who you know, who you, I remember one time he was talking on a podcast about. Um, a new group of atheists, atheists who are coming out called the Third Way. I'm pretty sure you know about about them. Mm-hmm. But they completely hold, and that was kind of a, a, an eye opener to me. Is these guys saying, yeah, like ne- neo Darwinianism, just it's not cutting it up, uh, cutting it for us. And I think I heard Max Kolbe too talking about Richard Dawkins just debated one of his colleagues who was a who was a female, and um, that yeah, she, even she was kind of saying the same thing that neo Darwinianism is it's just inadequate. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, actually, w- one thing that I that um that I, I definitely wanted to get to. We could go ahead and move on from from the from the evolution topic. But <laughs> hold on. Let, let me let me pull it up here for just a second. So and I know uh, Michael Jones and I had, were talking about this on Facebook. But Michael, there was an article that came out by the London <laughs> Telegraph. All right, and I just got a bone to pick with this article and i was just it was so easy for me to go hey wait a minute like that's wrong you know what i mean like what, like it just if you would read your bible bro like you yeah. would know like that's just so wrong like it didn't even take it didn't even take me a minute to figure out i was like well this is dumb know. you know what i mean so um um yeah so um there was a study that came out and i'll, I'll read uh, something from 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 the website uh, from a website um and and pretty much it was a study that that came out talking about that they could track if I'm correct, Michael Jones, uh, Michael, uh, that they were able to trace uh, um, Canaanite DNA with the Lebanese, right? The people that are mm-hmm. here today. Correct, right? Correct. So out of that study, uh, which was done by the American Journal of Human Genetics, came an article by the London Telegraph titled, Study Disproves the Bible's Suggestion that the Ancient Canaanites Were Wiped Out. Okay, so that that was it. And then from there, I'm not even joking, I have the whole list here. We have the Independent coming out with the article, another one. Bible says Canaanites were wiped out by Israelites, by scientists, ju- uh, but scientists just found out their descendants uh, living in Lebanon. Uh, the Daily Mail also, too, put, put out another article titled, Bronze, Bronze Age DNA Disproves the Bible's Claims that the Canaanites Were Wiped Out. Study says their genes live on in modern-day Lebanese people. So... Michael, can you tell our listeners why that is just wrong? <laughs> because they didn't read the Bible. You read Joshua seventeen thirteen. It says, Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. There's case closed. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it says it in multiple places, like Judges in Judges chapter 1 says it too. Oh, the Canaanites are still here, by the way, and they're being put to forced labor. They did not listen to God and drive them out. Okay, so yeah, they were not annihilated. There was no genocide. Yeah, it it just it's it's pretty simple, man. I, I was just really mind blown. I was like, wow, and and I was seeing this being shared everywhere, and I was like, what? Well, the I heck? think the original. I heard the original science. I think it was originally published in ScienceMag.org, and okay. they took it out of their article. They even had, they updated it and said, okay, we were wrong. Yeah, but I think that I that was the original source of it, but they 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 wiped that part clean because they got they realized you know that we were wrong about this. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they actually updated it. Yeah, because I have the yeah because it says American. American Journal, of, yeah, and I have I have the actual article here, like the the study, but I, I don't know. I, you you could be correct, but for what I understand, it's from the American Journal of Human Genetics. 
Maybe I could be wrong. I, someone told me that they fixed it, but I mean, this is the same thing you see when people are like saying, "Well, we have no evidence in Egypt that the Jews built the pyramids," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course yeah. we don't, because no one ever claimed yeah. that except Hollywood." <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, it's like something in a Charlton Heston movie or something. <laughs> yeah, like, we have no evidence King Solomon had mines. I'm like, yeah, the Bible never says he actually had mines. I mean, you gotta read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, that, and that's that's one thing I recommend to Christians and atheists as well. Before you make an argument, especially like this. I mean, read your, you know, read your Bible. And the one thing I saw it, and I have read it, it was all across Reddit. It was all across the atheist forums and stuff. And it was funny that, you know, I would go in and refute it and rebut it, and they just did not want to listen. Mm-hmm. Like, they just did no. not want to listen to the argument. I'm like, what in the world, man? <laughs> well, they're they're too rational to listen to evidence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we could. We, that's just so easily just to blow blow off to the side already. I mean, that's it's just ridiculous. I did want to address it in this podcast just because I thought it was funny and it, it's kind of new. And I actually believe the London Telegraph actually actually re-edited their article too. So and they kind of apologized because they were getting a lot of like <laughs> mail saying yeah. what the heck, like this yeah. is wrong. <laughs> and so a lot of Christians were coming up and saying like, "Are you kidding me?" But it it just it kind of goes to show uh, you know a little bit just kind of the. I guess the the militant list. Yeah, I don't know the what culture you... that we're in. I mean, yeah. just yeah. I mean, it's just. Uh, I remember seeing. I think it was on the Atheist Republic a couple of days ago, and they asked the question to their followers: if there was, if Christianity was proven true, would you, what would you convert? And I said something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Mo- a lot of the comments I read were like, "No, of course not." Yeah. I'm like. Well, it's like what? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, then y'all aren't concerned with truth, then. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, their no, concern is just wiping out like the you know Christianity. That's all pretty much what their motivation is. Mm-hmm. It, I always say they they need to be right regardless of what is true. Yeah, yeah. I guess we can uh, jump into I guess a topic that I know that you're very interested in, Mike, and I feel like you know we're all interested too. And this is something that you know it's very important. You know, kind of not so typical argument for uh, god's existence that apologists use but as far as you know i know you have a video series um dedicated to this but specifically the case for the soul and i know mm-hmm. you imp- uh you implement like a lot of like studies from quantum mechanics and you hold to a very uh specific view that um that at first you know when i kind of heard the argument it was kind of strange to me like what we're what we're talking about is idealism so mm-hmm. i i kind of like read it up and to me like now i'm kind of like understanding it more like you know like i i kind of like you know i'm open to the idea but i just kind of want to see if like that's something that you want to explain i guess we could talk about the yeah 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 we could just go ahead and jump on the the, the case for the soul his series and we, we we don't have to go through it all i i highly recommend for our listeners to just go 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 to his youtube channel and watch him but um yeah if you could kind of explain a little bit of you know what idealism is sure i mean well in the simplest way you have physicalism which would say what you are is just matter you're just your creation of brain processes and there's various ways to explain this you know, limited materialism for example um and then there's the other uh, category which is dualism which would say that you are a you're two substances you are a physical and you are a soul so you mm-hmm. you know you have two substances there and then idealism says you're just a soul and so people are like what like no i'm yeah. a body and well the argument is is that the physical is sort of like a material or sort of like a information construct of that and the simplest way i can explain it is sort of like david hume's bundle theory if you were to describe a physical object like an apple you'd be like okay well it's red it's round mm-hmm. i mean it's you know it's it's a kind of hard shell. like you're describing it in terms of mental substances yeah you're, you're describing it based on what you see what you touch what you feel you're describing by its properties and these are of course mental in nature so the argument is is that what we see in the material world would just be sort of like an illusion. Not so much. And that's I. I don't know if I really like that word, but I mm-hmm. pe- get what people think of when they hear it. But sort of like an information construct. And I typically use the analogy of a video game. If you've played an RPG, you are a character in that video game world, and you're seeing this amazing world. You're running around. You're uh-huh. fighting vill- villains and everything. But that world is not real. When you turn and you go into another room. The room you just left from doesn't stay there and like extend it out in space. It's just an information construct that uploads when you go back into the room. Okay. And so the argument is from quantum mechanics and neuroscience that that's a lot 
how our world would function is that the room kind of is like it's in a it, the wave function would collapse and the appearance of the physical would be there but that's not what really it is fundamentally fundamentally it just be an information construct what really is fundamental would be consciousness what would be fundamental is you the mind and the physical is just sort of like an information construct around you and okay. so I use the analogy of the video game because I think people kind of connect more with that. Yeah, that's so funny. I, whenever you mention the video game, I've used the video game analogy so much on just theology and sort of like reality. Um, so I was like, yes. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that a lot of physicists, like you think like this is just some like, you know, kind of crazy talk like, hey, man, like what if we're like, you know, some kind <laughs> of like computer simulation, you know, like, you know, kind of like, you know, dumb talk. But like, really, like, you know, this is something that's becoming mainstream now. Like, it's oh, yeah, it, it it talk about at the World Science Fair. I mean, and it's as it's, it's, go back to what Max Tegmark said, it's very important for physicists not to just dismiss ideas just because they're weird. But I mean, yeah. we're seeing so much evidence for this from the holographic principle to elements of neuroscience, quantum mechanics. It's all just kind of coming together. Yeah. And Mike, you know, like I yeah, now we hear like people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Elon Musk, who's like open to this idea that we could be <laughs> like, you know, living in a computer simulation. And I know you feel that's uh, compatible with um, idealism. And specifically, how does that relate to the existence of God? Like, how would you say that the simulation mm -hmm. kind of hypothesis is compatible with like, you know, with with theology? Or... Well, if the material is just reducible to information, okay, well, it's not fundamental in and of itself. The material universe is not fundamental. So it has to be dependent on something. Uh, if it's dependent on the fact that of our observations, when we actually observe the world, we collapse the actual physical, then we would see the physical as dependent upon co our consciousness. The problem is, is that we did not create the video game, in a sense. We did not create the information construct. We are just participating in the reality. So the question is, where did we come from? Well, if consciousness is fundamental, there has to be some sort of necessary consciousness out there that has created the information construct, put us in it, created us. And so it just naturally follows to a necessary consciousness that we would be dependent on and from. And so it just follows right back to theism naturally. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, oh, yeah. idealism just kind of goes to theism in and of itself. And I think the only other case is solipsism and I can try to make it, and I can, I make an argument that solipsism reduces this theism anyway. So it's just idealism is just a natural consequence or theism is just a natural consequence of idealism. Yeah. You know, uh, do you know the apologist Eric Hernandez? He's a uh, substance dualist. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and we're, we're friends with him. And, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know because you have Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of coming to this sort of like, oh, it's all a simulation and stuff. And I sort of like, I'm kind of like, bro, um, how do you reconcile that with materialism and there just not being a god? And I remember Eric Hernandez when he was when we we're speaking with him, um, he was there was an atheist who came up to him and says, well, you know, you've convinced me that there's a soul. Uh, however, I'm still an atheist, but I think you you can't be a an atheist and and uh, and, and not and, be a materialist. Yeah, yeah. And, and hold to hold to that substance dualist or believe that there's a soul. I just don't see. I, I don't. I just want to get your thoughts on just my opinion on that. Uh, well, what I mean, you think? It's just, they're they're being inconsistent. It's it's yeah. just a natural consequence of the logical deduction from it. You can say that. I mean, I right now yeah, I'm talking to it. atheists about objective morality, and they some of them believe in objective morality, but they don't want to follow the natural logical conclusions, conclusions. to what that means. Yes. They just want to say, well, it just is. It just is as it is, and we can't explain it, but it's definitely not God. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's what I feel <laughs> oh, like, because I feel like these yeah. a lot of atheistic philosophers, like I, they are indirectly arguing for God's existence, specifically like David Chalmers, <laughs> yes. when he talks about the hard problem of consciousness. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like that entails the soul. That entails the mind is immaterial. Like, you know, it's just like these crazy kind of, same thing with Thomas Nagel, like these you know, like uh -huh. mental gymnastics that they have to play, you know. In order well, to... I mean, Thomas Nagel's at least honest. He said yeah, in his he book, is. The Last Word, you know, I don't, I just don't want there to be a God. Okay, well, at least he's honest. Yeah, he's honest. Yeah. But it, that's that's kind of the truth. That's why I did a video on why is, is atheism a delusion. There's just a lot of studies showing that atheism is just hard for the, the brain to grasp cognitively. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to want it to be true. Otherwise, the brain would not, not just naturally go there. And in light of all the evidence theists can give, it's, there's just no reason to be an atheist now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the science that we have that we have dealt with and, and the conclusions and stuff should should leave atheists. I mean, people it should 
lead to the conclusion of people leaving leaving atheism. Um, I was um, I was watching a video of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I forgot. I think it was with uh, Larry King live. But he asked him like, "What happens after you die?" And he he kind of goes on this like tangent, and he pretty much says like, "We don't know." You know, like we 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 absolutely don't don't know what happens. Like we obviously he he believes we don't have a soul or anything, and I kind of just jump to that video and be like, well, that's just kind of a blatant lie. <laughs> yeah, just the arrogance, just to absolutely have knowledge or like nothing happens. Like how can you have access to that kind of knowledge? Yeah, like, it, yeah, and especially what what we have found. And I kind of wanted to to jump into just with kind of that that use that as a springboard. Um, in your first video of of um, of the case for the soul, you talked about uh, Wilder Penfield mm-hmm. and, you know, him coming to the conclusion that the brain does not, I mean, uh, the, the brain does not produce the mind. And, uh, and he, you talked about that there was a, there was a study that they did and he couldn't produce the will uh, through the brain or I, how, how about you explain it? <laughs> I think you would do well, a better job. Wilder Penfield was just using electrodes to stimulate parts of the brain. He can make yeah. someone's arm move. Mm-hmm. So I mean that has implications. I mean, in the you know, if someone could potentially just start controlling you if they could just get control of your brain and make you walk or do certain things you don't want to. But what he found was that he could not stimulate the will. In other words, he could not make me decide to do something. Mm-hmm. So he could take over my body and do things to it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he didn't have like you know futuristic control. He just could stimulate with electrodes, but yeah. he couldn't make the person just do it of their own free will and so what he concluded was is that there's an extra element missing in order to explain this and we would infer that is what consciousness is it's not created by the brain it just simply is correlated to the brain right yeah and i think and this is something that i I wanted to share with you and and see kind of what what you think i think the moment that i really started pondering on uh, materialism and the, the case for the soul is when I started uh, experiencing very severe anxiety and depression, uh, almost mm-hmm. to the point where it was suicidal, man. Um, it, it, it was really bad. I went through uh, probably about a good year of just horrific anxiety and depression. But it was very weird the way I would feel it. And I just kind of want, want you to, to, to put your you know two cents in, into this and kind of see how, how this kind of deals or how, how this... Um, if this is compatible with with idealism, but yeah, I, I, um, I was, um, it was weird because I was obviously feeling depressed and stuff, but it was weird because I I could feel that these weren't my real emotions. It it, it was kind of weird. And, and, and I was kind of sitting kind of in my consciousness and saying like, you know, this is weird because I don't want to feel like this, but yet I do feel like Mm -hmm. this. And it was just strange. And somewhere in my conscious, I, I sort of started saying, something's wrong with my body. Like something is, 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 is off. And eventually I ended up going to the doctor and I ended up finding out how like, you know, um, my vitamin D levels were low. I didn't take any medication, or, but over time through diet and exercise and stuff, I ended up getting better. But I just found it strange because if you are a materialist and your brain produces your mind, then I sort of would have, you know, um, you know, wanted to commit suicide. Like I, I would have followed through with some of my thoughts. You know what I mean? And right. I, 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 mean, I kind of wanted to get get your get your get your two cents on that. Right. Well, I mean, no one denies that the brain or the physical can influence your consciousness. I mean, that's right. just obvious. Right. That's sort of a straw man when materialists bring that up. Like you know, you know, it, materialism has to be true or physical physicalism has to be true because brain damage or you know, mm-hmm. br- you know, it's cl- there. And then I'm like, okay, well, no, mm-hmm. because the brain, you know. The physical, you, you, your consciousness can affect the physical world just like the physical world can affect your consciousness. There's an information exchange there, mm-hmm. regardless of you're a dualist, idealist, or physicalist. Everyone accepts that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we completely agree that information from the physical world can affect your consciousness because you're actively having in, in, in the world. I mean, J.P. Moreland, who's a dualist, uses the analogy of someone driving in a car. Mm-hmm. If I am the consciousness in the car, and somebody just takes one of my tires away. Okay, it's going to affect how I'm going to drive. I'm not going to be able to do it properly and act I properly drive on the streets or in the physical world with everyone else because I have had a physical disadvantage taken away from me. If you could fill the car with smoke and I couldn't see properly, mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of things. So we obviously understand there's an information exchange happening here. So, of course, you know, physical effects like depression will affect your conscious experience and how you're acting in the world. That doesn't mean that consciousness is created by the brain. It means there's information exchange going on and there's a correlation going on. That's the minimal thing it can mean. And that also ignores all the other evidence, which I use in my video series, which points towards more of a fundamental nature of consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you had specifically said, in, or you mentioned that one video, that there was actually a case where there was a child who had was born without a brain that still showed, like, aspects of consciousness, right? Right. That was part four. Yeah, there was... We have cases of people being born with just, like, a thin layer of brain cells and then just the rest of the skull is filled with fluid. And they live perfectly normal lives. That's and it's crazy. really weird because... That's crazy. Uh, exactly. It is because... But the, we're, we're stuck in this physicalist paradigm that consciousness has to be created by complex brain processes. It doesn't exist in lower animals because they don't have complex brain processes. Mm-hmm. But we see it without complex brain processes. We see it happening in these cases of humans. So... It completely is throwing a lot of hard evidence against the physicalists yeah. and their ideas. Yeah. So, if you can be conscious without a brain, without complex brain processes, that doesn't follow that the brain would or complex brain would create consciousness. Right. Yeah. And I also have a question for you, Mike. I I personally just want to ask this because you know I listen to like a, a lot of uh, William Lane Craig and um, a lot of his podcasts, and he mentioned. Um, it, I don't. I don't want to misrepresent him, but in terms of like animal suffering, he feels that you know animals don't suffer like you know the same kind of pain we do because like they don't have like you know the same consciousness that we have. Do you believe that like animals share like the same consciousness or like animals have a a soul to say like the same way we do? Well, if I'm going to be biblically biblically consistent, I would say I, I have to because. Ecclesiastes three eighteen to twenty says they do. They say we have the same breath of life, but. Scientifically speaking, they're not as intelligent as us. They don't have as much neural processing going on. So I would say they're not nearly as intelligent we are. So therefore, they don't fully understand or fully experience what we do in regards to that. I wouldn't say they're not consciousness or they don't have a soul in that sense. I would say because they lack as much brain processing as we do, they're not going to fully feel the same way we would feel in in those kinds of situations. And I think that's just being scientifically and biblically consistent. Yeah, right. All right, man, we're we're already hitting up uh, almost about an hour. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll just wrap this up pretty quick. Um, so what, one thing that I, I wanted to ask too is, um, y- you know, you have some videos on atheists saying that we are in a delusion. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> I would like to know. Well, what do they mean? Do they mean that we are? We have a mental disorder. I mean, because yeah. there's no evidence of that. I mean, I, I did a whole video is where I went over the studies. There's no evidence that that theism fun, uh, functions in the brain like a, an actual mental disorder or a unnatural delusion would be. Mm-hmm. And so if they, if they see just a general delusion, just we're mistaken about reality. Well, I mean, we say they're deluded because they're mistaken about reality. It's just a question of evidence, and we need to yeah. debate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I challenge them on that specifically. And just and this is what I always say to atheists. I put up my arguments for God's existence because I understand I'm making a positive claim for theism. I need to show evidence and arguments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have made an inference, and I'm saying this is the best explanation of reality. You can either accept it, be agnostic, or offer a better explanation. Mm-hmm. And typically they'll just say I'm wrong, but they won't say why. And I'm like, you can't do that. You either have to agree, be agnostic, or provide a better it was yeah, my series on the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my ser- I, I put up all the, the, a bunch of theories. Look, here's the data. Here are the different ways to try to explain it. Only the resurrection account can explain it. Can you offer a better explanation? And no one has taken that challenge. Not a soul. They, they want to go off on these tangents about, well, miracles just can't are very improbable. Therefore, you're yeah. probably wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's arguing in a circle. Yeah, it's yeah. a classic it's, human argument. <laughs> right. And so... If that's what they're going to try, I mean, they're just going to verify theism is the best explanation of the data. If they can't take my challenge, they're just going to agree with me silently that theism is the best explanation of the data, and specifically Christian theism. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, man, I had a question in my head. (laughs) I completely (laughs) forgot it. Oh, anyway, okay, so we'll just jump to this, because I definitely wanted to to find out what was up with this. Before before the podcast, we were talking uh, to to Michael, and he was telling us that uh, some atheists had shared your personal information on Facebook page. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, somehow they found out my personal page, and so they just posted it on YouTube on a video that responded to me, and I wrote a blog response to, and they said, here's his personal Facebook page, go say hi to him or something. Like, so it's like, 
really this is the level you're going to stoop to and it, it just it, what yeah. it kind of says to me is you don't have any good logical arguments so you're going to try to attack me personally mm-hmm. that's yeah. really just kind of verifying the arguments are right yeah and so look attack me all you want it's not going to attack my evidence or my arguments yeah and also i just wanted to ask have you actually seen any uh positive you know feedback from atheists have you um encountered anyone that had had their mind changed you know regarding um you know your arguments oh, or your videos absolutely if you go to my website inspiringphilosophy.org and you, I have a. I, what I do is instead of like writing out testimonies people give me, I have just taken screenshots of the comments I've gotten. So if yeah. you go to the uh, the browse section and hit testimonials, you'll see all the comments I've gotten in this uh, big image I've uploaded of all of these different atheists or um, people of different religions who've converted because of the videos I've uploaded. Yeah. So I mean, I see yeah. this all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so so I mean, I have one comment in the top one it says, "You've converted me to Christianity." If I ever write a book that uses the ideas of your videos. That will be the book to end all books. It will convert mass number of atheists. So I mean, yeah, yeah I I put it up there and say yes. See, God yeah. is at work. Yeah. So, well, yeah. amen. I, yeah, amen. And I have to ask, like, what kind of other uh, feature videos are you planning to to upload? Like any certain topics? Like I know you mentioned that I was reading in one of your um, your comments that you also want to uh, do a video on the Old Testament or regarding the historicity of the Old Testament. Right. Yeah, I need to go through that. I'm gonna probably start going through like evidence for the exodus the timeline of the exodus with yes. abraham when i get to that i mean the, the exodus would have happened in 1446 bc um you, and there's actually a lot of evidence surrounding the egyptian kingdom regarding that um of mm-hmm. course they're not going to come out and say that the slaves won i mean because that would be look really bad at their record so you have to look for the clues and so there's a lot right. of evidence regarding that yeah. but i think what i have lined up right now is i'm going to finish out my series on uh, metaethics i'm going to go through a critique of non-cognitivism moral relativism error mm-hmm. theory um, natural moralism. I'm also going to do a video, two videos on evolution. One will be on the Imago Dei. One will be on process structuralism and just showing how Christianity is compatible with it. Then I'm, I might do a critique of Bohmian mechanics, which is an alternative explanation to quantum mechanics. Um, I'm going to probably do a video on the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judas. I'll probably do a video on, you know, when atheists try to use this God of the gaps argument. So, you know, all arguments for theism are just gods of the gaps. I'm like, yeah. okay. You're just arguing, basically they're just assuming their conclusion. Yeah. And so I'll do a video on that. And so, I mean, there's still a lot I need to do. I want to do the problem of evil sometime next year, the problem of divine hiddenness, the problem of hell. So, I mean, there's still, there's so much I got to do. It's just, yeah. I don't have a lot of time. I got to, I don't have a time yeah. to do it all. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, my eventually goal is when I, well, I'll go through, I'll start with Genesis 1, then do Genesis 2, then 3, 4, 5, work my way up to the flood, do Tower of Babel. Um, and then do Abraham. Then I'm going to start working my way up through the Old Testament, go through all the difficult passages. Then when I get done with that, I'm going to go through early Christian history, talk about Galileo, the Scopes trial, all, mm-hmm. all these things, you know, like the Crusades and everything. So it's going to be a while. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then sometime in there, I want to talk about other religions like Islam, Mormonism, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. that's why I unfortunately have to ask for support donations on my channel try to help me get there because if i can get enough donations to go full time i'll be able to do a video a week and this will go much faster oh yeah and that's what i want to tell my listeners and the people who listen to this podcast go support inspiring philosophy at his website again michael and also through his patreon yeah his patreon and go support him there i'm definitely going to make a donation as well because um yeah i believe so much we need to definitely engage against the atheistic worldview and other worldviews and i think this way it you know through these videos and, and engaging through the internet i mean it's crazy man like to, just just to know that you could post an article or you could and, and thousands of people see it or a video and people see it um and i mean you i don't know if you have millions of views on some of your videos but i mean the gospel could be preached to one million people through one video you know mm-hmm. or a rebuttal to and that's just that's that's amazing to me <laughs> oh yeah and i put these all, all throughout facebook and youtube so a lot of times I get people who just say, I was just doing a Google search and your videos came up. And that's how I started watching. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's how a lot of some of the, the testimonials I have on my pages happen just from Google searches. Yeah. Yeah. You, wow. you, you also keep me up at night, too, man. Like, I, I'll be like, <laughs> man, I got work in the morning and like I'm there like at 11, uh, 11 p.m. I'm just kind of scrolling through videos. Oh, yeah, man. I binge going, watch all your videos. Yeah, man. just going through them and I'm like, man, these are so good. It's already 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So again, man, we're we're really big big fans uh, of you, and and uh, I know God's doing doing great things in your ministry. And, and uh, again, for the people to go and 
and, uh, and, and support you. Um, the, the last question and final question, since we're a Christian bookstore, um, I know you're an avid reader. <laughs> Can you recommend any books for, for our listeners and for the people who come in? And also answer, too, if you could, how has just reading helped you and your theology and being a Christian? Just... I mean, it's really strengthened my faith, faith in so many ways. Because there's just so much good information out there, and you can mm-hmm. learn so much just from opening a book. I mean, it's. I mean, if I'm going to recommend anything, read the um, books by N.T. Wright on his um, um, New Testament the People of God, Jesus and the Victory of God, and recently his book Paul and the Faithfulness of God. It's a 1,500-page book. It took me a couple months to go through, but I learned so much in that book with Paul and what he's talking about, and like for example. I mean, if, to just be really short, we don't realize that one of the things the Jews were waiting for was Yahweh's return to Zion, because mm-hmm. he left the temple, Ezekiel says he left the temple at the Babylonian exile, and they were still waiting for him to return. And Paul comes on and says, Yahweh has returned to Zion, he is Jesus. So we see this fulfillment of prophecy, and I, that yeah. just jumped out at me, I never even thought about that. Yeah. But that, that is, Yahweh did return to Zion as Jesus, and now he dwells in the temple the Holy Spirit dwells in the temple, which is the body. Yeah. So Yahweh did return to the temple. The temple is just the body now. Right. That's interesting, man. Um, and so a- any other books? Um, in regards to what? I mean, I guess I just anything. Apologetics, theology. Just... Um, a good book I would recommend people uh, take, take a look if they want to understand evolution better would be Life Solutions by Simon Conway Morris. Um, a book, books I just recently read were by John Walton, The Lost World of Genesis 1. The Lost World of Adam and Eve. Um, some good books on the New Testament criticism would be um, Dethroning Jesus, uh, things like that. Um, so there's so many good books out there. I mean, you could read um, Jesus and the Resurrection of Jesus by Mike Lacona if you want to understand the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Anything by C.S. Lewis is good. Yeah. If you want to get, if you want to understand like a basis of everything, read Philosophical Foundations for a Christian Worldview by uh, J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig. I mean, I don't agree with everything they say in there, but it's a good, good. A good book on understanding epistemology, metaphysics, philosophy of science, things like that. So, I mean, there's really depends on the topic. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, I am so glad you came on. I, I hope you would you would come back again and, and join us on, on on just any other discussions and topics. I will okay. tell you that I'm I'm very I'm, I'm very excited to uh, for your video on the Exodus because I I love the Exodus. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very I, looking for that one. Yeah, when you mentioned it, I had so many questions. Like, man, we're running out of time. So maybe next time we could we could talk about the Exodus and, and maybe yeah, some of the evidence. Yeah, I probably won't get to that video within the next year, unfortunately. Oh. But if you want to have me back on, we can go through a lot of the evidence for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. That would that would be sweet. So we could set that up sometime in the future. But man, thank thank you so much. If you could stay on real quick. But um, right. yeah. um, all right, guys. Well, that's it. Um, again, um, inspiringphilosophy.org. Uh, you can find Inspiring Philosophy on YouTube, on Facebook. Um, go support them on Patreon. Uh, we're Bridge Ministries, and uh, you could find us at uh, in Laredo, Texas, 16, uh, 1619 McPherson Road. And uh, come by, get a, get a book, go order a coffee, and, and, and let's talk theology and, and stuff. Um, um, thank you, Michael. And, uh, oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And, yeah, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, uh, preach the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. Love your, uh, love your God with all your body, soul, strength, and mind. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you very much.